I've never seen a drummer smile so much. Neela's like a joy bomb. If you need the joy of the Lord, you need to hang out with my youngest girl, Neela, right there. Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much. Can you uh, just thank the worship team for leading us into the presence of the Lord? That's amazing. Um, I have a joke about bass players that I told at first Wednesday. Did you want to hear it? Do we have any bass players over there? What do bass, uh, bass players and baseballs have in common? People cheer when you hit them with bats. It was funnier the second time. Um, I'm Pastor Corey, Pastor Aaron, I think must be somewhere. Um, she's normally sitting there. Anyways, uh, we're, we're uh, many church, maybe you don't know this, but we're turning six uh, in January. We're going to be a big boy church. <laughs> and, uh, and Pastor Aaron and I, we came here about six uh, years ago with our family and uh, God has been good to us and God has uh, been so good that we've, uh, he's allowed us to meet you and to bring our friends in and we've seen so much work that the Lord has done here and so um, did you did you enjoy were you at first Wednesday I mean half the, most of the church turned out for first Wednesday we had such a good time and I, I loved seeing Pastor Aaron on stage um, and I forced her to do that so I do get some credit I gave her an hour and a half of notice and I'm like you need to team teach this with me you know where my notes are and she's like well I have a meeting at six and I'm like you should have thought about that before I just invited you to team teach, but she did great, didn't she? I, I, we're gonna get Pastor Aaron on stage more and more. Uh, she doesn't love the stage, so we have to uh, force her. Um, is why is where's Wyatt Pekka? Is he in the house? Wyatt's back. He's been serving in the armed forces. We are so glad that you are here. Thank you for serving your country. He's like, you know what? He he had other options this morning, but he's like, I'm going to church first. The heck with family, and so the family had to come to church. And so, uh, anyways, uh, it's good to see you, man. It's so awesome. Um, I don't know why I'm doing the announcement page right now. Uh, Lee and Tammy, I think they're both serving. Is Lee and I think Lee's must be. They're having their uh, uh, 24th anniversary tomorrow. And so, that's awesome, yeah. And Lee, I mean, Lee doesn't look a decade over 80. I can't wait till he's sitting in the second service. You know, he texted me this morning because I wish him a happy anniversary. He said, the scary thing for our wives to think about at this point is that if they had put a pillow over our face on our wedding night, they would be out of prison by now. <laughs> like, that's dark. We have any newly marrieds? Where's Tia Fair? Yeah, don't do that. Don't do, yeah, no, don't do that. That's a bad idea. We were both concerned. Actually, Lee and Tammy were their marriage counselors, their pre-marriage counselors, so we're just concerned about you guys, so don't do that. It was, it's funny now, but it's not funny. No. So, so anyways, um, we have some Freedom Groups uh, graduates that are sitting in the room today. We, we want to say we're so proud of you for going through Freedom Group. Freedom Group is something that we offer so that you, you have to settle yesterday before you can say hi to tomorrow. 
you have to settle yesterday before you can walk into your destiny in Christ. And they did that. They took months to do that and just go through their lives and really get Jesus into every part. And uh, we were uh, lucky enough to be a part of this uh, Freedom Conference yesterday that happened on Friday and to pray for people and just watch the, the chains of the past fall off of them. It was pretty powerful. So next week is our Christmas. I am doing the announcements. I am definitely doing, and you're playing keyboard, Sean. This is weird. Sean also looks better. He took a turn for the, for the better this morning. Um, you know, all the Finning crew are gone today, and apparently half the church works for Finning. You know what we noticed this morning? Paul and I were noticing that, like, uh, we were all done worship practice and everything early. And we're like, it's the middle management that was killing us. Next week is our Christmas party, so you got to come out to that. We have two Christmas Eve services, I think three and four o'clock. We're just going to spin them real quick. Short, sweet, beautiful. It's going to be awesome. Invite your extended family to those as well. Next week is our Christmas party. I am going to roll out how Venue Church, how you're giving, how we remember the poor. I have a whole list of things that I'm going to tell you of how many uh, poor people that we help. It is good that we remember the poor. It is good that from the affluence of Canada that we give to the Lord, and I'm going to you're going to, only one team knows what we've done so far. And I'm like, if you tell anybody, you're dead. Because I'm going to surprise everybody and show you what we did for Compassion Canada. It's going to be awesome. All right, uh, let me get into this sermon. Thanks, Renee. Uh, thanks, Other Sean. And um, um, this uh, sermon is called A Victory Lap. I'm only going to do uh, two parts of these before Christmas, I think. Um, today's sermon is, call, is called uh, Road Trip. And I realized kind of a continuation of First Wednesday, if you were there, I think that it's time that we enter the Lord's rest. I think every now and again, you got to just like stop and look back and realize you're not the person that you were last year. And if you've been doing any work, if you've been coming to church or you've been attending small group or you went through freedom group or you've been, you know, trying to honor God with your finances. Or I, I talked to somebody last week who's like, I sang for the first time in church. And I'm like, amazing. You are not the same person you were last year. Um, my wife talked to another person who's like, I lifted my hands for the first time. It was scary, but I did it. And so I said, like, if you got to start lifting your hands in church and you've never done that before, you can start by just carrying the box. It's like, we'll get up to like the hallelujah, let's have a dance party, but just start with. <laughs> I just wrecked worship for somebody. You're like, but that's what I do. I, I carry a box. Um, <laughs> but you, if you know my personality, um, you'll know that I'm not like a finish line kind of a person. And so for me, I felt like the Lord wanted me to kind of preach something that's sort of counter to my personality. Because my personality, like there's always another fight. There's always another thing. There's always a, another person that we got to get to. There's always another project. There's always, and I realized, you know, I don't really turn around all that much naturally as a person and celebrate what the Lord has already done because I'm already off to the next thing. And so just the time that a team has accomplished, even in the church, something amazing. Uh, I'm like, that's great. There's like three more things that we could do. And, uh, and I, you know, I was sick for about three weeks and it really just kind of just, um, I had, you know, I was operating like 20 or 30% energy now. Now, this will be hard for millennials to understand. I still went to work. <laughs> I'm always picking fun of millennials. Our millennials built this church, by the way, so I all credit to you guys. But, um, but uh, yeah, no, 100%. But, you know, I was uh, getting a little bit bogged down, and I realized if I'm getting bogged down on my personality type, because I got way too much energy, if I'm getting bogged down, I think maybe a lot of the church has been sort of there for maybe some months now. I look back, even in church, if you're, if you're involved in church here, in the past year, 
Um, God has blessed us. We're like over twice the size that we were less than a calendar year ago. We built a church before that in COVID, which was not easy. And, um, and I realized if I'm tired, I think a lot of people are tired. And I feel like the Lord wants to just, um, just this Christmas, I think we just need to hit pause and reflect and just uh, rest in the Lord and what he's done. Um, are you okay for one of those sermons? It's an encouraging sermon. I've never preached one of those before. So, <clears throat> I hope you're in small groups in January. We have so many great small groups that are coming up. And we say to groups, when you come to groups, we say this to, to small groups. We're like, hey, just do one thing. This term, you know, this three-month term or whatever it is, just do one thing in that small group. Just like if you've never given to the Lord, if you've never really praised, if you've never forgiven somebody, if you've never, just do one thing. But it's time to be honest. I don't, when I say like, just do one thing, I say that on the video, but what I really mean is you should do 50 things. And if you do the 50 things, I'm like, we got 50 more things. I'm glad you did those things, you know? And I think it's time though, that we just need to like slow down a little bit. Thank the Lord for all that he has done. And, um, I think we need to learn to enjoy the road. Has, has anybody been on like a road trip? You know, I was thinking about this. I've been on a lot of road trips. My favorite road trips are the worst road trips as well. Um, no? You think about it. They're the ones you remember. If nothing happened, you don't remember. You're just like, hey, we went from point A to point B and we watched four movies. I'm like, that's great. But what happens when, when everything goes wrong? We, one time, we, um, when I was a, a, a young man, we, we, went, we went for a weekend in Winnipeg in the middle of winter. Seemed like a good idea. We had some friends in Bible college um, down south of Winnipeg. And so we start, we start driving with uh, my friend Jason and my other friend Byron. And we start driving across, um, and we were making great time. We got to Mooseman. Do you know where Mooseman is? Like on the other side of Saskatchewan. We get to Mooseman and it just started snowing. And we, we stopped to get gas. And they said, hey, we've closed the highway east of here. They've closed the highway east of here. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, we're from Alberta, man. We don't close highways. And I was all like, I'm like, what is, what do you mean the highways? Cause we literally can't get, I don't want to stay in Mooseman. And so we, we did what Alberta boys do. We just kind of went South and we're like, we're just going to take back roads and the heck with it. I had a little red Jeep. I thought I was invincible. You know, it was like, you're like 20 and you're like, I'm never going to die. Right. Well, we just about died the, not on the road. So we start kind of going down south and then it turns out it had been snowing quite a lot and, and it had uh, had a freezing rain or something. And then it snowed, you know, like, and it just kept piling up and piling up. And so we're kind of just barely making it through some of these roads. And we stop in this little town whose name I've, I've purged from my mind. And, um, and we, we stop in this little town and I'm like, okay, cause this was the day, I don't think we had a cell phone with us. So that's how old I am. Yeah, that's right. You were quiet. And so you're like, you're not old pastor. You look great. Thank you. And so we, we stop in this town and I'm like, I, we better get like the phone number. Maybe we did have a cell phone. Cause why would you need a phone number if you don't have a cell phone? I'm just putting this together now. That's how old I am. Cause my brain is not working anymore. So somebody apparently had a cell phone and um, we're like, well, let's get the, the phone number of a tow truck tr driver in case we get stuck. And so we, we stopped and we're like, uh, is what's the name of the tow truck driver in the area? And somebody's like, oh, that's Larry or whatever it was. And then they said, but he's not going to go out in weather like this. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of weather does Larry go out in? You know, like this is what, this is all he does, you know? And so we thought, well, maybe what, maybe we shouldn't push our luck. Maybe we should stay in this town. And so, 
So we went to the little motel. There was a, one of those like little weird motels there where like crimes happen and stuff. So we went there, but they were even too full for us. This is going to preach right into the Christmas sermon about laying baby Byron in the manger <laughs> and stuff like that. So there was no room for us at the inn. And the lady working there is like, hey, well, my house is right over there. And for 15 bucks each, you guys can sleep in my son's room. And we're like, well, we had no option. So we're like, okay, I guess. And so we go down there and we get down into, into the basement of her place. And it wasn't like a nice place. And so, and so we get into the basement of her place. There's two other business guys from Manitoba in, in, the, in the basement with us. And, um, and we go into her son's room. And it's got like cigarette. He's been like experimenting with smoking. And he's like 14. And uh, it's got like cigarette butts ground out on the floor. We come out, we're like, I guess we just put sleeping bags on the floor. And then we came out there and we see the son and he sits there and he's got one of those like little, you know, like a 14 year old mustache. That's not really a mustache, like a Sharpie. <laughs> and he leans, he leans over to me and he says, do you like to party? And I'm like, right then the Holy Spirit was like, get out, you know, do you like to party? And I'm like, no, not really. Not, not. They had a party that night. All the underage cowboys, all the 14-year-old cowboys had a party in the upstairs of that house while mom rented the, the basement out. And they were doing some sort of dancing with boots on or something. I don't know what they were doing. And they were, they were, they were drinking. And we didn't know how safe we were because we, we weren't going to go up there. And so we put uh, the youngest guy, Byron, by the door. And we're like, if, if, if somebody comes in and starts stabbing you, you need to scream real loud. <laughs> so I'm not going by the door. Jason was older than I am. He's not going by the door. We're just like, you, your screams need to wake us up. That's how loud they need to be so that we can maybe get out. And so we, we go upstairs. We go upstairs afterwards in the morning. We're just like, let's get out of all this town. What is up with this place? And so we go upstairs. We count 90 beer cans for like a handful of underage cowboys. And I'm like, these kids know how to party. And I go to get my boots on. I had a brand new pair of Sorel boots, brand new. I'd worn them like twice. This is like the first time I've worn them. And I, I look at these, there's black Sorels there, but they're not my Sorels. And I'm like, these aren't my boots. And I put them on and my feet start feeling like super like rashy and diseasy or whatever. And I'm like, these aren't my boots. And the lady of the house is like, well, yeah, well, those belong to, you know, Randy or whatever. But he had had a little too much to, to drink last night. And he couldn't tell if they were his boots or, and I'm like, was it the 90 beer, beer cans that, was it this beer that he drank? And so, sometimes when you're on the road of life, everything seems to go bad and somebody steals your boots. And sometimes at Christmas time, you wish that your life was further ahead than it is. But you know, I was thinking back to that road trip and I got hilarious stories. I remember that road trip because of who we were with when, when the whole world was being insane. Because of who we were with. And there's something about that this morning and, and even like this, this Christmas time that when we look back, I think we need to learn to appreciate the road. You know, I was reading in Psalm 23 and King David is writing, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall not lack. And we're like, oh, he must've been in a good place in his road. He wasn't staying at that town. He wasn't staying in that basement. You know, um, 
Another translation says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And you naturally think to yourself, because you're Canadian, like, oh, his life must be working out. He's not dealing with confusion. He's not, not dealing with depression. His, his people like him. His career's okay. His marriage is okay. His kids must be okay for him to be able to say that. But then, as you read further in Psalm 23, it says, then he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Wait, wait, wait. That's not the same as, as the first part. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I don't need anything. I'm doing, like, I'm good. It says, the Lord is my, I have all that I need. He leads me beside the still waters. He, 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 he makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. And you're like, see, you, you would get to a good place on the road and you would write that and end it because that's what you want every day to be like. But David's like, no, no, no. That's not what kind of day it is. Because yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'm in a death cycle in an area of my life right now. I'm facing down fear right now. There's so much fear that's attacking me. He says, he says, your rod and your staff, God, they come for me. And you're like, oh, that's sweet. That's because you're not a sheep. What's the rod for? The discipline of the Lord. He's like, not only am I in the valley of the shadow of death facing fear, the Lord is disciplining me in an area of my life and it hurts. That's what you do to sheep with the rod. You're like, hey, there are wolves over there. Hey, like when you discipline your kids, you're like, hey, those people are wolves. You don't go to their house. He's like, not only am I in the valley of the shadow of death, I am afraid and I'm dealing with that. And the Lord is disciplining. And then he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you make me eat with people that don't like me. It's one thing to have enemies. It's another thing to be sitting across the table from your enemies. And he's like, these people, these were my friends. These, I'm feeding them at my table. And this is my life right now. You see, you and I have, have the road that we're on. But every time we're on that road, there's a box of struggle. And your box of struggle, for you, it might look different than for you. And you're having a struggle in your marriage. You're, you're behind in your finances. You know, your career just hasn't worked out. The... I have so many things in my life that aren't online yet. And we get wrapped up in the need and wrapped up in the struggle. And that's all that we can think about. Well, if you're David, you don't write the first part of that psalm. You haven't, you haven't found the thing that God is going to show you today. And that you're going to actually find in the Lord. That, that even with the box of struggle, God can still hit a time out when you go, oh, I can focus on this. But it's funny. Every uh, item that you remove from the box of struggle, it's funny that another one gets put in there. Like just as soon as something gets solved, another challenge comes in. Another heartache comes in. Just when you're like, hey, I think I'm over that person leaving me. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like this never-ending thing. And the enemy wants you to focus on all the things that you don't have. And God wants you to turn aside so that he can lead you in the middle of the struggle. In the middle of a scary town. In the middle of Saskatchewan. In the middle of, he wants you to be able to lie down and sleep because he is with you. He is still with you. We weren't going to get murdered by boot stealing cowboys because he is still with us. It was close for Byron. <laughs> David, what David did is something I want you to do. It's a skill that you got to build. 
He trained himself to have a knee-jerk reaction that when I see this, when this comes up, when this is demanding my attention, my knee-jerk reaction, are you ready for this? When he saw his need, he trained his reaction to go back here and say, but look who I'm with and look what we've got. Look who I'm with. I'm with the Lord as my shepherd. I shall not lack because the Lord is my shepherd and he's who I'm with. He leads me beside the still waters. He, he makes me lie down. This is still going on, but he makes me time out in the middle. He makes me come back and say, look what the Lord has done. Look where I am. Look who I'm with. Sometimes Christians, we get a little bit proud because the scriptures say, you know, take up your cross daily. And when you get baptized, you're like, hey, you're in a fight. You're in a fight for your soul. You're in a fight for the souls of the people. You got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, salvation is free. Everything else will cost you. You've heard all of these things or you are hearing all of these things. But then Christians can get a little weird because then we're like, well, I have to forgive everybody. And that's really hard and that's really heavy. And then we start carrying the cross that we are supposed to carry. But we forget that Jesus is actually supposed to be carrying our cross. We start acting like we're Jesus and we're carrying the cross of people and we're doing all. If the cross is heavy and it's too heavy for you today, maybe you're not doing it right. Because Jesus also says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I will, you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're not doing something right. We're not turning it. Our knee-jerk reaction hasn't turned us. It's just turning us back into the box. It's not turning us back into Christ. You'll miss the miracle on the road if all you do is focus on that struggle box. Now, need can drive you to more need or it can drive you to who, here's who I'm with and here's what we already have. Luke records, uh, at, the time, uh, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David... He had to go to Bethlehem, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. So this journey, um, I forgot how many miles it is, but they figured that it was about, um, in, in like a straight line, it was like uh, maybe, they, they said you could like walk 20 miles a day. So that's kind of what they figured a day's journey was. So they would be like four days journey. But the trouble was that as I'm studying this, between Nazareth and Bethlehem is this area called Samaria, and those were enemies of the Jews. And so Joseph is, is very unlikely to go through with a pregnant wife, Samaria, because they hated each other. They would go around. So, so now a four-day journey at 20 miles a day is now eight-day journey of 20 miles a day, you know, probably minimum. Um, now, I could walk that. There would be a lot of complaining. <laughs> but I could walk that. Now, now, Mary is not just a little bit pregnant. Now, if you don't know about this, like, you, you can't really be just a little pregnant. <laughs> you're kind of pregnant or you're not pregnant, right? But Mary's, like, real pregnant. So Mary's, like, rich girl ice cream and fish sticks pregnant. My wife, she was so pregnant with our, uh, so pregnant with our kids. She was so sick with our kids that she couldn't keep any food down for all of our kids. And so it was a real uh, horrible uh, thing. Then we had horrible kids and then they're just sitting right there. I just can't not say something about that. Anyways, no, our kids are beautiful, but she got to this place where she's like, all I can eat is like, all I want to eat is rich girl ice cream and fish sticks. I'm like, 
You know that fish sticks isn't actually fish, right? Like, I don't know what they're putting in this, but you're eating like old couches and barnacles and somebody's boots. And I mean, like, there's weird stuff in there, but it's like, I just need the grease or something. I just need to be able to eat something, you know? And this is Mary, like she is pregnant. And there's no air shocks on a donkey or on a cart or walking. There are no air shocks, they're not working. So this is like, what, 160 miles? of torturous road and Joseph would have to hear about it. <laughs> How are you still married? How you, you know, Aaron, Pastor Aaron should just be getting out of jail right now. No, I get it. The, it's like this journey, Joseph's box of struggle, Mary's box of struggle, it's a big deal right now. But the trouble is if you, if you focus on the box of struggle, you're going to forget about the miracle that you're carrying inside you. This miracle that God is carrying with you on the road. You forget the miracle of being with Jesus. Yeah. Who, who's, had, who's had kids here? Guys, you can raise your hands. Like, it's not you. We get it. Um, remember the first kid? Here's the other problem. It's the first baby. The first baby is a heart attack. The first baby is like everything. You know, they, they just... The, Medical systems, no offense, but they freak you out in the first baby. Everything's wrong. Everything's, you know, everybody's, you know what they told us about our first baby after she was born, Arwen? You've seen Arwen and her head, right? They said, well, her head's too big. You know, so Aaron comes into the room and I'm like, mm. <laughs> well, you know, like, her head's too big. We got to get the head down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everything is a massive uh, heart attack and panic. After you have a couple of kids, though, you know, by kid three, I was reading soccer magazines in the hospital and... Pastor Aaron's like, I'll, I'll call you when I need you. I'm like, you know, cuckoo, you know. But like the first kid, man, I was, is, it's, so everything about this is not fun for anybody, including Jesus. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. We don't understand how Jesus thinks about your road. If I'm Jesus, just use your imagination. If I'm Jesus, I'm like, I'm not being born in that condition, in that place. You know how like when you've lived enough of your life and you're kind of in this place where you don't have to stay in the scary motel or in the cowboy kids basement anymore. Yeah, well, this is the son of the most high God who created the universe. He was willing to submit himself to being wrapped up snugly and put in a manger where the animals are. We don't understand. We don't understand the joy of the road. We don't understand that the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. I was thinking about the journey. I was thinking about your journey today. It's not just about the resurrection, it's about the road. And Christ follower, if you don't learn to enjoy the road, even when you have to take up a cross daily and follow, even when you have to help broken people, even when your life, and there's so many things in the box of struggle that aren't online yet, if you don't learn to enjoy the road that you're on, you are missing the best part of Christianity on this earth. Don't miss what God has for you here. Doesn't mean all the struggle is gonna be gone. It wasn't gone for any of the people in the Bible that we read about. Jesus shares the road with his disciples, you know, first his family, then his disciples. And 
It's the road miles. It's the hard miles. It's the times when, when you miss the turn to Portland and it's 2 a.m. And Jason, your best friend, wakes up and he's like, where are we? And you're like, I don't know because there's no Google Maps. And he's like, you've been driving an hour in the wrong direction. And then you find out what Jason really thinks about you. It's, it's the hard miles when you catch the eye of somebody in your small group who's really going through hell right then. And you catch them smiling because, you know, not everything is dark. And God is still here. And God is still God. We miss so many beautiful moments because we wish we were somewhere else. We wish we were anywhere else. We wish that we didn't have a box of struggles. But look, we all have one. Right there, right now, right here, right this morning, God wants to pull you aside and spend some time with you where you're not the most responsible person in the room. This is hard for me, where I'm not the responsible one anymore. Where, um, where you let him worry about it. Where if it doesn't get finished by him, it doesn't get done. Where he sends somebody to help you. Where he sends a small group to carry you when you can't walk. Just to time out and be like, if this doesn't get done, I still need to just honor the Lord and just let him lead me to a quiet place right now. I was thinking about the other journeys and the other road trips. You know, the shepherds had to work on Christmas Eve. Anybody have to work on Christmas Eve? Somebody's like, but it wasn't Christmas Eve. They didn't know. Like, you know. <laughs> You're too smart for this church. <laughs> Some of you, your work schedules don't line up the way that you want them to. You know, I remember when we used to work... You know, on the weekends, we'd always listen to that song. Everybody's working for the weekend. And we just try to, like, not have terrible attitudes. And I'm like, but, you know, there's times when you feel like you're the only one who's dealing with this struggle. You're the only one that's working. Everybody else is out, you know, at hockey or doing whatever they want to do. And Don't despise the small things you have to do to put a roof over your head. And the struggle that you have to, to feed your kids. Don't despise the, the small forgivenesses that you have to work out every day. There's beauty on the road. But sometimes you just got to hit pause and say, if this doesn't quite get done yet, there's always tomorrow. I need to come back and just take a break right now. I just need to come back and let the Lord speak to me right now. Now, that doesn't mean like you leave the stove on and leave the house. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, like fire safety and all that stuff. I'm just saying like, there's something in your life you just need to hit pause on and be like, you know what? It's as far as it's going to get right now. And then look a year back and say like, you know, it's a lot further than it was though. Because there's something that's dishonoring to the Lord when all we're doing is pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward and not celebrating what he's already done. And in fact, you shouldn't even walk into tomorrow until you celebrate yesterday. It, it comes from a place of faith and not a place of need. Because I don't think, see, God doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. And when you're coming out of what God has already done and who he's already made you, and you are a son of God, you tell me what's better in the world than that, than being a daughter of the most high God. You tell me what else he's got to do to prove himself to you. And we come out of this place of, of solidity and stability. And we come out of this place of, oh, look at all the things that the Lord has done. You'll resist temptation better. You'll resist addiction better when you come out of the place of who you already are. 
and who you're already with. I was thinking about the shepherds, you know, they're like, they're working and it's nighttime and they're working and everybody else is at home starting that pre-sleep nap. They're full and they're warm and they're working in the middle of a field and, and then the angels show up and they're, they're like, yeah, but our responsibilities and our sheep, like, you know what they did? They just left the sheep. They're like, well, I guess if the angels are telling us we need to go, you know what they were shown? Like, hey, it's great shepherding sheep. But until Jesus finds you, the lost sheep, you're not going to shepherd the sheep that well anyway. So you might as well just leave them alone for a little bit and go and let the Lord shepherd. Come on, moms. Somebody needs to turn aside and let the Lord shepherd you. You, you are corralling cats. You need to let the Lord corral your heart a little bit and calm you down a little bit and shepherd you a little bit. I was thinking about the wise men, you know, the magi. And... It says when the star arose, they probably started their journey not long after. So some months, maybe up to two years, they have been on this road. And then they get to Jerusalem. You know, just about the time you think that your marriage is there or your career is there. They get to Jerusalem and they're, they're met by King Herod, who's a killing maniac. And a whole religious group of people. So they're like, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? Where his star like... This is sort of where it ended. Where is he supposed to be born? And all the professional religious people are like, oh, it's Bethlehem. It's five miles down the road. But it's funny. None of them took the five-mile journey with the Magi to see if Jesus was actually there. In the lowest risk. Come on, church people. You can see Jesus, but you can, somebody can come into your life and you're like, I need to follow that star. And the Magi go, but without any of the religious leaders of the day. By this time, they, they have like a house. It's, they've been living, they're not in the manger anymore. How many people know that like, Mary's not living with Joseph. Is he going to put that baby in a manger for another night? But now they're in a house and, and I'm thinking about the, the journey of the Magi. They can get discouraged right at the end of the journey. Or could they can just follow the star all the way. Though none go with me, still I will follow. If my sister doesn't want to go, I'll go. I'll go and I'll see what Jesus is up to. I was thinking, come on, worship team. Don't miss your moment with Jesus at Christmas. Don't miss your moment with Jesus. I don't know if, if you have a family or a friend and you just want to like sit down and read the Christmas story and just let all the trappings fall. All your need, just let it sit there for a little bit and be like, you're not God. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I don't need anything that I don't have right now. If I lost all of the things in here and everything turned out poorly, I would still have Jesus and I would still be okay. When you start living your life out of the confidence of that, it's funny. The closer you get to Jesus, you ready? Because you can get a Messiah complex about your problems too all the people you're trying to fix. You're like, they need me. My kids need me. They need me at work. They need me. They need me. Here's a, here's a, here's a shocker about work. You can leave work and in a month, nobody's going to remember your name. I worked with people for over a decade and a month later, my name didn't come up anymore except for on all the jobs they wanted to blame people for that I didn't even work. You got work friends, but you got your church friends. But there's something about this that when we concentrate on this, we get a Messiah complex like, oh, no, no, my family needs me, my family needs me. Oh, I'm a big deal. But the closer you get to Jesus and he's like, hey, just go lie down over here. You know what? It makes you feel like a little child, like, hey, it's nap time. 
You're getting a little crazy. It's just nap time. Just go lie down. Here's your blankie. Let's go lie down. I'll put a glass of water, some still water beside your bed. Just relax. You get smaller and God gets bigger and this box starts to disappear. The world's not going to fall apart without you for a few minutes. Even this morning, this last song might be what, what you need. The world's not going to fall apart if you leave the issues and just follow Jesus. In fact, I think they need a rejuvenated you at your job. I think your family needs a rejuvenated you who believes in the best and who's got some energy to give. I think your work needs a rejuvenated you who can forgive because you remember when you've been with the Savior a little how much you've been forgiven. I think we just need to hit pause and I think the Lord wants to restore your soul today. As long as you're struggling with this box and focused on this box, fear is going to be your future. But for every Christ follower here, and if you're not a Christ follower, we will sort that out in the prayer corner afterwards. And somebody needs to get prayed for anyways. Just to get the burden of this lifted off you. It's your struggle box. You just need the burden lifted off of you. So you can get permission by the Lord. Just, hey, just take a time. Just take time over here. But as long as this box, all of a sudden when you come over here, fear is not your future anymore. Because Jesus is. Fear can only be your past when you're with Jesus. Let's sing this song.